on this week's show, Tom Angels have their say on the future of the National League season. We don't know how long this is going to go on for. You know, it is open-ended, uh, and we just believe that at this point in time, it would be better to suspend the league. New Welling United manager Steve Lovell can't wait to get going. It'll be a challenge, and it's going to be hard work, but uh, I'm pretty sure like with um, the combinations of clubs the players we've got now and the ones I'll bring in, we'll, uh, we'll have a decent um, second part of the season. And Cray Valley PM winger Kieran McCann tells us all about his phenomenal running effort. The actual longest run I've ever done at a proper run was 10 miles. Um, but, like I said, it's a big shot in the minute. Um, every day is getting harder and longer now. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast brought to you in association with SESA Sports Management. Could this be the final show of the season where we actually have any football? Time will tell. It's been another amazing week in our little world of non-league football and as always there's loads going on away from the football but we're a football show. We'll always primarily be that so we remain focused on bringing you the best content we can. To that end we've delayed recording this week's show until Thursday night also meaning I have a pretty quick turnaround on the editing side and we've got three interviews for you all of which could not be any more different if only if only it wasn't that I'd actually carried them all out. I'm John Phipps, resident in a town that, despite having one of the highest COVID rates in the country, is still popular enough for some idiots from London to visit to record a music video in a car park. And on the line now, I'm very glad to say that he's back. It's the man who two weeks ago had a tweet uh, had a tweet that earned 81 likes. Uh, Matt Gerard, how are you? Yeah, not bad, John. So um, I wasn't here last week because um, I had some well, sad news. My father passed away uh, last Wednesday, so... Um, and sort of, sort of say that he got me into sport and football and Dover, of course. So it's a bit of a um, sad time. But some part of me thinks that at least he went to bed last Tuesday knowing that Dover hadn't lost. So that cheered me up a little bit. But um, yeah, so it's been a, you know, it's sad time for us. Um, and I'm getting over it. But unfortunately, yeah, the man who gave me love of sport and football is no longer with us. But um I'm sure he's looking down on that, and uh, I, did, I think occasionally he listened to the pod, John. So that was that always cheered me up, and I know he loved his football. So, um, well, I'll move on now because it's uh, it's been a difficult week. But um, yeah, but it's, I just want to say thanks, Dad, if you are listening. Yeah, and of course this week's show is dedicated uh, to your dad, Matt, because uh, I never actually had the pleasure of meeting him, but a couple of other people have said to me what a what a great man he was, and and my response to that was well he did a hell of a job raising a son, so uh, and I, I'm sure he's very proud of you and everything you've done, mate. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Thanks for that, mate, and thanks for all these kind words. If they do listen to the pod, I know those who those people are, so I appreciate that. Yeah, um, tell me about this tweet that got 81 likes. Yeah, my mate, my mate Neil, he lives in Doha. It's my record of a tweet. He, he's playing football manager. I, th- I think it's CMO 102. And he sent me a picture. And it's basically, after 13 minutes, he's some random Scottish team. That's what he kind of thing he does. And it's 3-0. And after one of the goals, like four players get sent off. And I said to him, oh, you need to put that on. Um, I said to him, you need to put that on Twitter. He's not on Twitter. And quickly, Kevin, if you listen to that podcast, they like those sort of things. And I put this out and it just went everywhere. Everybody wants to know everything about this tweet. What happened in the rumble and all sorts. So, uh, yes, the power of football manager or old football manager saw my Twitter go absolutely mental. I went viral for a few minutes. So um, it was quite exciting. But it wasn't even my tweet. So it was, it was my mate. But um, yes, I do love a bit of football manager. But 
there's a lot of football manager geeks out there who um, who clearly loved it because everybody wanted to know so much more about the story. I'd keep going back to him and say, "Have you got this? Have you got that?" Because people wanted to know. So yeah. Yeah, viral yeah, for a few minutes. So I certainly knew some girls at uni that were in that situation. Uh, anyway, it's our 155th episode this week. And 155 is the number you dial to speak to the international operator, apparently. Does that still work? Don't know. I didn't try it as, a, as an experiment, but just if, if it says it online, it's, it must be true. Um, it's also try that. Okay. I'm on my, should we try it? If you want. I don't know if it'll record this. Should we go? Oh, Here Lord. He right. was, he was. It's a Scottish lady. Excellent. <laughs> International. I put the phone down before I think. I've got. As a kid, then when I used to ring up people and go. Bleh. Yes. So basically, yeah. International. I don't know what she's about. Can I have the uh, phone number for the White House? I should have said that, shouldn't I? Yeah. So that is. But the Inter- one five five is the international operator. There you I've go, kids. Uh, it's that's also their only call for the day. And I'll pick <laughs> Well, have been. Uh, it's also the highest actual possible break in snooker because you can get a free ball to start and count that as a red and get an extra eight points. And Jamie Cope, who's nicknamed Shotgun, uh, once pulled that off, but only in practice. But he has also made 151 break in a match, while there has been one break of 148 in a professional game. As we discussed eight weeks ago, uh, neither of us are much cop at snooker, but I do get the feeling that I would just about overcome Matt the Chalky Cyborg Gerard. I got that nickname from a snooker nickname generator in the Kent Nonley podcast snooker finals, which will be held, well, well never, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, one five five break is a possibility, Matt. I've never heard of Jamie Cope. He should be world champion if he's been doing that. Is he famous? Uh, no, he's, I think he's the world number 160 something. Oh, but still quite good. Well, he's, he's better than us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fair play to him. Absolutely. Uh, on with the show then, and it has been quite a few days uh, for our National League clubs. As always, non-league legend Ollie Bayliss has been on the money on social media, so I've used his tweets as a basis for this forthcoming summary. Do follow him at Ollie underscore Bayliss on Twitter. Uh, it all started on Monday when it was revealed that the next tranche of £11 million to the National League clubs from the Department of Digital Culture, Media and Sports would be in the form of loans rather than grants. A number of clubs were instantly very concerned, and a league meeting was convened for Wednesday. Three options were put on the table at that meeting that clubs can take out long-term low-interest loans with initial payment holidays or the league takes on the loan and gives the clubs grants with future central payments of clubs being reduced as a result or that the current season be suspended and the board will meet on Friday uh, and since then since the meeting on Wednesday a number of clubs have nailed their colours to various different masts uh, today alone Slough Town and Concord Rangers have said they will not be fulfilling their weekend fixtures while Haven't Waterlooville have said they are going into a 10-day isolation period and their next three games will all be postponed as they do not think it is safe to be playing football uh, by and large our Kent clubs have not put forward much of a preference for any of these options although Mason I'd have indicated that they want the season to continue. Tunbridge Angels though have said that their preference is for the season to be suspended at least for the time being. With that being announced earlier on today I caught up with Angels director Jim Rowe earlier on to find out the thinking behind that. We are concerned at the fact that the only way it would appear that the season can continue uh, as it stands is through some way, shape or form, the the borrowing of money, um, which we don't believe in football, is a very healthy way to go. I mean, we've seen only just recently two clubs that got it, well, in fact, had to disband Berry and Macclesfield uh, because they quite clearly overreached themselves. Um, We don't want to see 
either ourselves uh, having to uh, pay back uh, a loan, neither do we want to see the National League have to pay back a loan because clearly that's going to that's going to reflect or that's going to affect uh, the member clubs. Of course it is. So, so somehow the money has to be paid back. We don't know how long this is going to go on for. You know, it is open-ended. Uh, and we just believe that at this point in time, it will be better to suspend the league uh, and, and, and call a halt. A pause, you can call it what you like, a suspension. Uh, there are different terms, aren't there? Uh, and indeed, then the debate would be, uh, how do you conclude things? Uh, or, or, you know, do you, do you just literally suspend and then recommence at a suitable time? Or do you null and void? There are all these options, aren't there? Do you finalise it on a point to game basis? There are all these options, aren't there? But that's, in a way, for later on, once we reach a consensus... Uh, that the league should should at least at the moment be be uh, suspend playing. Is it one of those things where the, the clubs obviously need the money? The, the money was almost promised, I suppose, uh, when the season restarted. And I guess you wouldn't have re- you wouldn't have started the season at all if you'd known that down the line there'd be loans involved. That was a, that was uh, yeah. That, or to put it around another way, the season started uh, on the basis that grants would be available. Um, and uh, that was indeed how the season started. And I don't think clubs would have would have started unless they'd been given that understanding. Um, now, somewhere along the line, that understanding uh, has been misinterpreted. Uh, don't quite know where and by whom. Whether it's the uh, Department of uh, uh, Culture, Media and Sport, whether it's the FA, whether it's National League. Um, don't want to point the finger of blame at any particular body, but somewhere that appears to have been misinterpreted. And now the DCMS, the government, are quite clearly saying, uh, apart from exceptional circumstances, we don't quite understand what that means, but apart from exceptional circumstances, this winter survival package, sports winter survival package, a total of, of 300 million for sports across the board, is mainly, largely in the form of loans, and that would include 11 million allocated for the National League. From a Tom Angel's point of view, obviously at the moment, you're, I'm guessing your main outgoing is, is your players. If the league is suspended, do, do you, will you look to put players on furlough or, or yes, will it end their yes. contracts or what? No, we would, we would put the players on furlough for as long as necessary. Uh, normally that would, because they are part-time, that would go through until the time that they would normally stop playing, which, which obviously is in the summertime. And, and I suppose so. That is vital to to keeping the club afloat because I'm guessing your your outgoings. You're, you're a well-run club. Everybody knows you're a well-run club, so you don't spend beyond your means. So it, it's crucial that if there's no if there's no incomings at all that you can depend on, then you can't be having all these outgoings. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and remember, it, it isn't just uh, uh, when we're, while we're operating, all the time we're operating. Remember, it isn't just the player budget. That's the thing that everyone thinks of immediately, quite naturally. But I mean, you know, things like, you know, uh, switching the floodlights on, you know, uh, you know, the services charges, water rates. Uh, there, there are other expenses, other overheads, other services which clubs have to pay uh, even to get matches on, even, even accepting the fact that there are no supporters coming into the ground. I mean, generally as well, looking at the season, it, it is tough, isn't it? You've still got so many games of football to play in such a short space of time. Yes, there is that aspect as well. Um, obviously, we've 
Uh, we didn't start till the, till the beginning of October. Uh, then we've, we've obviously had all clubs have had to a certain extent disruption because of COVID-19. We understand that. So we have to, we have to at all times be safe and, and, and adhere to the protocols, uh, as, as written up by the, by the Football Association. So of course there have been interruptions. We have e- even, despite the fact we started late, we, we've got in a sense further behind, if you like. I think uh, as it stands, we're, we're uh, at the moment, I think we're five or six fixtures behind. That's fairly typical, I think, for National South clubs. Um, that could be made up. I mean, if there was no pandemic, it would be perfectly possible to make up those fixtures uh, by bearing in mind the season's now going on till the end of May. Um, but I mean, that it, it, it isn't, that's not the point, really. We want to adhere to safety, of course, and we always will. Um, but it is about money now. We've moved almost, if you like, into a slightly different scenario. Uh, and it, and it is about, it is about money and it's about, the, sustain, the long-term sustainability of a community club such as ourselves, we want supporters to be able to come back to a thriving club that can continue to make progress. Now, when that's going to be, we can't be certain, but that's what that's what we want to happen. I suppose there's obviously going to be a meeting on, on Friday, I understand. Everyone's going to have their say. And if, if they say that they're going to go for one of the other options, are you just going to have to go along with it? I think so. I don't get the sense that we would want to rebel. Uh, I don't think, from Tunbridge Angel's perspective, I'm not sure rebellion is in the air. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we would accept, we would have to accept uh, uh, what the what the league tell us, on the understanding that it, that it would have been a democratic decision. You know, if, if democracy says that uh, majority of clubs uh, want to keep going, then that's, that's okay. I think it's going to be very difficult because... Uh, my understanding is, as we speak now, currently, a lot of clubs have said they can't make up their minds because they're not, they don't, they believe they don't have enough information. Um, they're sort of veering between perhaps the, uh, the, the grants which may come from the National League itself, uh, or maybe even going in for loans, uh, direct loans them, them, themselves. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure that the National League tomorrow morning are going to end up or have already ended up with a straight, you know, yes, no to the three options. <laughs> so I'm not sure it's going to be that simple. And I suppose the lack of information was part of the problem this time, to- oh, not this time last year, but last season, the lack of information was part of the problem. And I guess everyone just wants, you know, full transparency and to know exactly where we're heading, don't they? Exactly. Transparency w- would be would be good. And there hasn't always been sufficient of that. And I know there are where you get different parties concerned. Uh, people have to be careful what they say. People have to be careful what they commit to. Um, but yes, we, we you know, transparency, uh, you know, would be good um, so that we know exactly what we're choosing. But but having said all of that, we still believe that, you know, that as we stand at the moment, uh, you know, tragically, Approaching approaching a hundred thousand people have have died from coronavirus. Hospitals are now overwhelmed. They're not going to be overwhelmed. They're already overwhelmed. The NHS uh, and and cases are still in, incredibly high. So in a sense, I think the the desire to play a, f- a few football matches in front of empty stadiums actually uh, at our level actually seems a bit surreal, a bit odd, not quite right, morally not quite right. Um, and I really do think that the board of Tunbridge Angels, not just me, the board of Tunbridge Angels, and I think probably most of our supporters would also agree that uh, the time is right for, for a pause. Uh, and then let's decide then how we deal with the season as it, going forward.
Uh, Angels won't be rebels, he said in there, Matt, which I did enjoy. Uh, but having listened to all of that, it's, it's pretty hard to argue with where they're coming from, isn't it? Uh, I think it's a, a sensible thing. I'm led to believe that Dartford, as you would have top of the league, and Epsley are qu- quite happy to carry on, John, as well, adding that in from okay. my various sources that they're, they're happy to carry on. Well, I don't know. I presume option two, which seems to be the thing. Yeah, I, I, I think um, the part, I think at the end, he bet he said there was, you know, there's more important things from that. They've put their colours to the mast. Again, they don't want to put in a loan in either way to the club, which I think is a wise decision. Um, some people would say, you know, Tunbridge probably not going up, not going down. Way to save money. That's what people would say. But I think looking at what other clubs are saying at the moment, that seems a wise decision from Tunbridge Angels uh, of where they go. And I, and I admire their honesty and I admire all the clubs, whatever they say, putting it out on social media. I think a lot of the clubs should say, this is why we're doing it and why. Um, I've seen a lot of Conference South clubs do it and Conference North clubs, not too many National League. I think only Hartlepool, I think, are the only ones I've seen who are willing to do it. But he made some really not good points there, Jim, I have to say, um, about all this. And the league needs to be a little bit transparent, needs to be a little bit more of where we're going to go from here. So one of my theories would be, say Tunbridge Angels, who said they're not going to be a rebel and do it, if they said, right, option two, can they say, I don't want any money? And then they're not incurring charges? I know some clubs, uh, a couple have said, uh, in principle, they're in uh, they're in favour of option two, but they're waiting for more details. And I think that was the alarming thing from that conversation with Jim, was that they still don't seem to know the full ins and outs of all of this. And that they've been expected to make a decision in 48 hours after a meeting on, on which way they want to go. And, and to be honest, it could go any of the three ways at the moment as you say there's a lot of clubs sort of being quite quiet about it especially in the top flight and will it come down that they've got more say that, than the others like they normally do it's it's, it's very very concerning well yeah yeah well my first thing I, I presume option one is off the window because clubs aren't going to take loans out so if we go on the basis that nobody's going to do that one option two is my first thought on this was i don't know the national league could be one of the richest leagues in the world my opinion, highly unlikely. I don't know if that's a good couple of jobs. But again, have they got any assets or any way of dishing out eleven million pounds? Surely you just go give give a league eleven million pounds. Otherwise, you know, the Thanet Sunday League will ask for some money to dish it out to these teams on this. Surely there needs to be something from there. And I cannot believive the National League gets a lot of they've got T V deal with BT, but I know the clubs don't get too much out of that. You know, you bench kick making and Vanarama I can't believe that Vanarama are paying millions of pounds to sponsor it so that seems to be from there can can the National League you know haven't probably covered themselves in too much glory through this be you know be trusted or will clubs trust them to hand out the 11 million pounds it just seems strange but do you you don't know much about league, how much league money leagues have? I can't believe they've got that much to just to guarantee there's 11 million. No, no. And, and another thing that's this has literally just popped into my head while you've been talking there. They're saying they're going to um, that they might be prepared to borrow the 11 million pound on behalf of the clubs and then dish it out to the clubs, however they see fit, and then uh, reduce payments to the clubs in the future. So I wonder what would happen if they 
were unable to pay back. Would the National League go bust? Could the National League go bust? I don't, I don't know what would happen in terms of that. You know, it, it, it's very strange. But but are they because they're not governed by the FA? They're their own. Se- well, they are governed by the FA, but their own separate entity, aren't they? So I don't I don't know what the long term possible. I can't I can't believe like League Two's got loads of money either. So it's just everything seems to come from TV. It just seems. Strange, and again, and, it, and one of these things is, well, I, this is a blow for it. If you right, I'm calling this is no club in particular. If I was right, we're going to do option two comes off, and I can you say to them, I want five hundred thousand, or do you are you given money depending on where you are? Could I go to them and say, Matthew Jarrett United, I want five hundred thousand, spank that, try to get promoted or whatever. And after two years, you're in the Football League and then don't have to worry about paying it because you're not part of that. That's a very interesting point as well. I mean, it, it, oh, there's so oh, many oh, flaws. There's more holes in this plan than a colander. Yeah, yeah. And I was, and I was, and I was the other thing. the other thing? Yeah. So, and basically, five, I spend my 500,000 and then it all goes wrong and I'm the owner and I sell it to John Phipps United. Is he viable for the 500,000? Well, he's got to say, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That is true. So, again, I don't know the ins of running business, but I, my first thing is, coming back to this, can you give... I don't, they might be a cash-rich, the National League. I can't believe they are. But there you go. That's how much they got in their bank. There's £11 million. To dealing this out, dealing this out, how are you going to do it? And you've got to do it quickly, because teams have, teams have already got a month without any money. It's just, yeah, again, option two seems quite popular for a lot of clubs, I think, apparently. You know, and, and it all comes down to this as well, John. It's where clubs are in, in their positions. They're going to look at their self-interest, I would have thought, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Everyone is in it for themselves, and, and yeah. they always have been. And that's this is why we're elite clubs in the first place, isn't it? Yeah. But again, and how much power do the big boys in the National League have? You know, your ex-league clubs who are saying, right, we don't know the voting system on this. Previously, the voting system was heavily weighted to the National League clubs, wasn't it? And not the lower league clubs. So is that the case? We don't know anything about that. Because I'm sure there's plenty of lobbying going on throughout this from the so-called big boys in the National League to maybe some of the smaller clubs saying, right, we want to carry on. So it is... is, um, Again, I'm looking at it from from a Dover point of view. Dover, of course, they're bottom of the league. I would say very likely to get relegated. Dover will be one of these teams saying option three. I don't. I'm going on. I don't know if that's the case. I'm surmising that. So, how many other teams would be willing to do that? So, again, this is the problem now because when you look on Twitter and all these clubs say it, and Concord have said they don't want to play and Slough want to play, everybody's just ripping into them saying because you're doing rubbish. And that's going to be the issue on this. So the voting system is going to be key of how they're going to do it. Is it majority? If it's the six, if 34 clubs say option two, is it option two? Or if 34 clubs say it's option three, is it option three? That is what I, and I think even um, Jim wasn't sure about that when, when we spoke to him. Um, maybe though, Matt, one of these, one of these clubs that's been relegated from the football league, maybe they're pumping 10 million pound a year into the national league. You never know. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I cannot believe. Where, where would, yeah, right. From a, a football league, a football a league, where would the National League get his money from? Sponsorship and TV. That must be it, isn't it? Nothing else. Yeah. And that can't be, that can't be fortunes. It can't. I mean, it's almost like if you normally get a loan, you need a guarantor, don't you? Exactly, and, yeah. and who's going to stump up the cash? This is my whole thing. Does What if the National League goes and oh, defaults on the payments? What's going to happen? Are, 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 the, F, are the FA going to say, well, well, you don't exist anymore? And leave the top two tiers of, not, of non-league football not existing? And then start promoting from, from the Isthmian League? I, I, I just... I, it's unfathomable. And... Um, it's oh, it's a very very strange yeah, yeah. situation. Uh, as we said, going back a couple of weeks ago, last I was on, I think we said we want to pause, but we've got to finish this season. So, and I see the new northern clubs have said, let's have a pause for three weeks, look at it, and go from there. So, I think a pause <laughs> is probably the, the suspension is probably the best thing for the moment. And if we say right off February and start again in March, that maybe is what we do. So. I think certainly a, a pause now would give them time to go through everything and not rush into this decision. Because if, as I kind of said before about every other league, let's not make a hasty decision in January. So I think it would make sense to say, right, we're going to pause it now. We're going to go through every single outcome of this option two that we've got. And we're going to come back to you all in a month and see how we feel about it then. And if in a month's time, everyone's still saying, no, we don't want to play, then you make the decision. But right now, let's not definitely say season over. Let's not definitely say we'll take the loan. Let's have a bit of time. It's all been rushed through, hasn't it? Yeah. And secondly, wearing my Dover Athletic hat, John, which I wear with pride sometimes. (laughs) Of course, if the North and the South stop right and in a month's time they're not they when the national league continues in a month's time the they are null and voided can there be there can't be promotion and relegation then can there no so which, which is not helping in any way I, I think you've got to finish the season even i suppose if yeah I think we've got to finish the season, even if you have to start again in August and then worry about the... But again, that affects the other leagues then because then football league's not going to stop, is it? No, they are talking about that now, aren't they? They're, they are talking about the possibility. I mean, there's been so much talk um, after after last week's show. Um, obviously, we, t- we talked a lot about two, po- uh, two season points per game uh, on last week's show, myself and Alex. Um, that was there was a lot of talk about that at the back end of last week. Now there's even talk of making it a two season affair, but not doing a full season next season and just finishing off this season next season. There's some a league down in the southwest who are quite in favour of that. So it is all gonna it's all going to cause problems whichever way this ends up happening. So um, time will tell. I mean, we could be sat here talking about this now. It's twenty past eight on Thursday night. This time tomorrow, this could all be completely irrelevant and anything could have happened. So we will wait and see. Um, going back to, to Jim Rowe and Tunbridge Angels, I didn't even ask him about stuff on the pitch. And I, and I did say to him uh, once I finished recording, I was going to ask him, but he j- I thought he finished off that interview so perfectly that it would have been quite silly to say that. But he did kind of say to me, um, you know, we're pleased with how we're going. We're, we're in mid-table. Uh, it's been a good season. Steve McKim's doing a really good job. And as I said to him there, Tunbridge Angels are a really well-run club. And you can tell that Jim 
and the chairman and everyone there have got the interests of Tunbridge Angels as a football club and a future successful football club at heart. Yeah, I think um, they've been really good in the way they've done this. I think uh, their communication's been good. They've spoken to the supporters and their bit in the community's been excellent. So and I think you pointedly said that the most important things, they are guardians of the football club. So the most important thing is that there's a football club to carry on. And when this is all over and their fans can enjoy a, a pint in the bar and enjoy their football, and I, which I think is thing. So fair play to Tunbridge Angels. So um, I think uh, they're doing a fantastic job. And, and, and I liked it as well. You know, you've got these sides saying they don't want to play and things like that. Said they're not going to be rebels. They will play. But um, you, you can see their disappointment if that decision goes ahead. Yeah, now one man who definitely won't want things to end on a personal level is Steve Lovell because he's genuinely not even started yet. As we discussed on last week's show, Lovell has replaced Brad Quinton as Welling United boss and after a case of COVID in the Tunbridge Angels camp, he was robbed of the chance to take charge of his first game on Saturday. That has, however, given him plenty of time to work on the training ground before a scheduled trip to Hungerford this weekend. It also, disappointingly for him, gave him time to be pestered by me earlier in the week. I started by asking Steve how happy he was to be back in the game. Uh, very pleased, you know. It, it's been, um, you know, since uh, managing at Gillingham, I haven't. Uh, I've been in a management job, just a director of football role at Ebbsfleet, which I enjoyed, but uh, it wasn't managing, um, obviously. And um, that's something I, I love doing, uh, getting on the training ground and coaching. So it was uh, uh, when Mark um, rang me and asked me to. Uh, Mark Goldberg rang me and asked me if I'd be interested. I said yes. So. Uh, yeah, very pleased to be back um, back in the game. How excited are you about what lies ahead for Welling? I mean, obviously at the moment you look at the league table, it doesn't look great, but there's potential there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Um, the, the table um, doesn't lie, does it? So obviously there's things that have not been right this year. Things are, have not gone right for one reason or the other. So uh, the first thing is try and work out what that is um, and then get to the bottom of it. Obviously there's a group of players there that, I've been giving um, their time and effort for the for the, the, the first part of the season, and uh, you know I've got to have a look at them first and see uh, what we've got. And um, you know there's some good players in there with some good pedigrees, and uh, you need to um, give them a chance. So that's something that in, a, in the training sessions, like on Saturday and tonight, or tomorrow night and and Thursday, we'll be doing ready for the game on Saturday. But you know it, it's um, it'll be a challenge and it's going to be hard work. But uh, I'm pretty sure like with um, the combinations of perhaps the players we've got now and the ones that I'll bring in, we'll, uh, we'll have a decent um, second part of the season. Obviously, you were supposed to be managing your first game on Saturday. That was then called off and it's given you plenty of time to work with the squad on the training ground. Yeah, it did. It was, it was, uh, it was good. It was good. It, it was good the way it worked out. Obviously, uh, we would like to have played the game, but uh, uh, you know, with the things at the moment, it's, it's not the best uh, uh, time for football really for anyone. And, um, so we, we had a chance to get the boys in and, and um, train them and, and put a session on which, uh, you know, and, and let them know exactly what, you know, the way I'd like to play and the way that we will, we will work in training towards playing that way. Um, so it's about, you know, knowing the players, knowing what their strengths and weaknesses are and playing in positions where they're going to influence the team. It's going to be a very punishing schedule over the next few weeks, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but it's good, you know. You know, if you ask players, they prefer to to play rather than train. So, you know, it's going to be Tuesday, Saturday, pretty much uh, all the way to the end of the season. And the the main thing is is obviously making sure we 
we um, we, we we do the right things for the protocols and uh, with the virus and make sure we don't have any any more games uh, called off. And that's something I'm very uh, strict on. And uh, you know, it's important that we carry out the protocols and make sure that that doesn't happen. How much of a challenge is it coming into a new club in the middle of this pandemic? Because everything is difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it, as I say, it's a challenge. It is difficult. It's a challenge in football alone. Uh, and then you've got to deal with all the outside uh, things that are happening in the world at the moment. But it's the same for everybody. Um, you know, we've got to make sure that we, we, we try and stay as safe as possible. Um, and, with you know, on the training field, make sure the boys... We get them outside as much as possible and uh, uh, on, on the field where I can do my work. So hopefully, um, you know, we can um, we can have a good second part of the season. As I say, it's something that, you know, they've, they've got to adhere to and got to work to. Um, and, you know, the only way we could do it is by hard work and, and trying to get the, the, the right sort of methods and, and structure in place. I guess it's been hard for, for the players that you've inherited because they haven't played a lot of football, really, if you look over the past three months or so. So I guess trying to find some momentum is, is going to be one of the first things you've got to do. Yeah, and the momentum comes from um, from confidence. You know, obviously the confidence won't be that high because where they are and the, and the results that they've had. So the first thing is to try and build the confidence of the players and give them the confidence in themselves that they are good enough to perform at this level. Um, obviously, I, I'm having a look at that to make sure that they are. And obviously, if they're not, then it's, it's something that we've got to do. But yes, definitely, we've got to, the, the boys haven't played that much football. And I think, you know, the, the, the team has been changed quite uh, quite often, uh, which I can understand as well. When you're not getting results, you, you, you try your best to try and put a team out there to get a result. And sometimes you don't have that consistency. But that is just natural. And that's something that everybody does. So yes, you know, it's, 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 it's a clean... Start and it's a it's a, a way that I got to see you know the team I put out next Saturday will be a team that will give them them the opportunity to show what they can do and obviously if they do well they stay in if not then we go look somewhere else. Mark Goldberg's been at the club a long time. He's obviously very passionate about Welling. I guess you're looking forward to working with him. Yeah, I've known Mark a long time, uh, a long long time, and uh, uh, I, I, in the past I've nearly worked with him two or three times. I think. Uh, <laughs> So um, uh, it's nice that um, I'm, I'm getting a chance to work with him. He's, you're right, he's a very passionate man. He loves his football, always has done. Um, and it's great that, um, you know, he's got me and Tristan and Craig, who, who's a fitness man, on board. So we, we've got a good little team now going forward and one that we're all on the same wavelength and uh, we'll, we'll work hard to try and get the, the best out of Welling and, and, and try and push them up the league. Hungerford first up on Saturday. They're a bit of a surprise package this season, third or fourth in the league. So it's going to be a, a tough start for you. Yeah, I watched them play at Hartford on Saturday, um, and they got a good point there. And to be honest, they they deserved uh, to get at least a point out of it, especially on the first half performance. They're very strong, they're well organised, and very physical. Um, but obviously, there's there's ways that you can um, you can um, you know get the better of them, and that's something I've. I'm going to be working on this week um, to try and get uh, us organised, ready to play them on Saturday. And just finally, I know you said you give the players that are there a chance. You, is there anyone you're looking to bring in straight away? Have you already identified some areas? Um, yeah, there's, there's a, like obviously we haven't scored that many goals this year, and that's uh, you know that's a, an area where you you need to strengthen. Most clubs, I think, most managers will say you know they like to get some goal scorers in and. 
And I don't think you can have too many forwards at a football club. So that's one area I'll be looking But It's not only just down to the forwards. It's the, most probably the way that you play. If you're not creating chances, forwards aren't going to score. So it's, a, it's an all-round team team effort, I think, that needs to be addressed. And that's something that uh, we're very uh, aware of. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, it'll take time. It'll take two or three weeks for, for us most probably to get uh, the squad together that we'd like. But um, first and foremost, to see what the boys can do there and then, um, then we'll address it from there. You say about um, it's how you play football. The way you approach managing Welling, will that be any different to how you approach managing Gillingham? No, same principles. Exactly the same principles. Um, I think obviously it, it, uh, you're playing against um, different opposition, uh, uh, better opposition, but it's more about what you can do. I think well, in, you know, we worked at Gillingham about how we're going to stop other teams from from playing. Um, you know, because of the systems and the players, perhaps the, the teams that they were the better teams in the league, uh, like the Sunderlands and the Portsmouth and people like that were very good sides. So you couldn't go out and play the start the game the way you would like to. But I think from here now, it, it's, a, it's a way of us putting a stamp on our, uh, the way I'd like to play attacking football, take the game to, to the other, the opposition, um, and, and then work on the defensive issues. Um, obviously when we lose the ball, but so it's no different. It's, it's the same principle. It's just that you're dealing with obviously a different level of players. But there's still a level. The level is the same. You're playing with players in the same level on the other teams. So it, 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 it evens itself out. But it, it is. It's the same principles I'll, I'll adhere to with, you know, hard work and fitness is, 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 a, is a must. But then it's the, it's the game understanding. Players have got to understand the system uh, that I'll play. And, uh, you know, if they don't, they've got to, you know, they've got to ask me and, and I've got to make sure that they do understand it. You can just tell, Matt, can't you, that the passion there, he, he's delighted to be back in the dugout and, and can't wait to get going at Welling. Yeah, it's, it's going back. The last couple of weeks ago, we had Bradley Quinton on the show, um, you know, came came across very well on that. And I was shocked when I already lost his job, John. Do you know what? Again, you might have discussed this last week with Alex, but that was a bit of a shock, wasn't it? It was. I mean, we both said uh, last week that having brought in seven new players, and then just two games later, making that that change seemed like a very very uh, hasty move. And um, the the nil nil draw at Oxford wasn't a bad result. Two nil defeat at home to St Albans, bottom of the table. They obviously are welling, but St Albans have only lost once all season. I don't think there was any uh, disgrace in that. So yeah, it was a, a little bit of a surprise. But then Steve Lovell he, he has come in. Um, we both know Steve moderately well. Obviously, a man who's very passionate about it, desperate to get back into the game. And uh, I think it's a, a good opportunity for Welling. Perhaps they had decided that it hadn't worked under Bradley Quinton and, and it, it was time to make that change. And, and Steve Lovell was available. So that's worked out very well for them. Yeah, I think, he, and probably he knows, I think having worked with Ebsley in the summer, bringing their squad together, I think he did a, a big part of that. They know he, they know that Steve knows levels of football from there. So interesting, a lot of the um, players, I think the, the loans, he's let go, isn't he? So he's going to be looking to bring his own players in when he gets going again. Well, don't, we haven't heard from what Welling's situation would be on this. But yeah, it's a good appointment. Steve Lovell um, is a passionate man, knows a lot about football, works well with youth players, did a decent job at Gillingham, really, um, uh, until he, he lost his job there. He's back in it. 
and I'm sure for Welling, Welling, Welling are a Conference South club. You know, they've had, they've had dalliances in the National League, but I can't, I can't make, think of a time when Welling weren't at, at least at that level, the National League South. So he's got a challenge on his team, but they've got some good players there. And you know, only a couple of seasons ago they were um, in the playoffs, wasn't it? So um, good basis there, and um, a well-run club. Mark Goldberg, interesting, he didn't want to go back in the dugout himself. He's got Steve Lovell in. I think he probably worked with him when he was at Bromley or there was some part of him involved in there. So, yeah, I think a decent appointment for Welling. A, a real football man, and I'm sure he's pretty confident he could do a job there. I said uh, last week uh, about Steve, and, and I think you will probably agree with me, that a lot of the players who were his big players at Gillingham fell out of favour very quickly after he moved on. And I think that he must have a real sort of build a sense of loyalty with his players. And I'd imagine he's going to come in. He said there he's, he's already identified a few that he wants to bring in and there'll probably be players that he knows, but I'm sure that players will want to play for him. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I'd be interested to see who he brings, who he brings in. Um, interesting. He's brought in Tristan Lewis and the other guy who has worked with at Epsley and maybe a little bit, who were at Maidstone as well. So they know the Kent scene as well and the players that are around. So, yeah, I, I think it, again, will he, be, will he have time to bring players in in this situation? If Welling aren't getting any money in, it's, it's an interesting one there. But I think the work they do on the, um, on the, on the training ground will work well because he'll do a lot of work on there just to improve the players' confidence. But Welling, you mentioned before, are probably one of the lowest played sides in the whole country, amount of games. So, He'll just want to get some confidence in them if he can get some games under his belt. Yeah, and I think as well with Steve is, I think his, his Gillingham side, the players that he had there performed better than probably they were on paper. And if you look at, in all seriousness at the current Gillingham squad, they're probably a better squad, but they're not necessarily doing better. And that it, that speaks volumes about Steve Lovell. And I'm sure he will be thrilled to have had these chances in training this week to, to try and start to get the best out of these players. And, and, you know, there's some good players at Welling, and I'm sure he's got it within him to to turn their season around. Yeah, I think if it goes ahead, people would say well, we don't know what Welling's position is on the on the three options, but um, I'm sure Mark Goldberg, who's you know knows this level, knows how the workings of football run, will make the best decision for the club, and I think it's a good decision to bring Steve in. Yeah, uh, there has actually been some football over the past few days. Uh, Dover lost at Wrexham on Saturday in the only National League game that was played, uh, while Maidstone made it through in the FA Trophy by beating Dorking Wanderers on the same day. But Bromley bowed out on Tuesday night as they lost to Woking on penalties after a 1-1 draw. Uh, the Stones, our last men standing, will travel to Hornchurch of the Isthmian League Premier Division in the next round, which is the last 16. And bear in mind, everybody, as we reach the last 16 on Saturday, February the 6th, that the 2019-20 final still hasn't taken place. Uh, I presume I, again, John. If it's called off, the FA Trophy will probably continue. Who, uh, who knows? I, I would have thought because that's not everything. But again, depends. If you're furloughing players, you might not be able to unfurlough them and play that competition. So that's a good draw for for Maidstone, though. Yeah, very good draw. Yeah, I think um, I think they could get Hornchurch. With, by the Athletics ground. I've been there a few times. It's a perfect draw for them. So the last 16, last eight, and then you can start dreaming of eventually playing a Wembley final in about 2025. So <laughs> I mean, some of them, they want to play the, both finals on the same day. Oh, I haven't heard that. That's a good one. I've, that's what I heard. They wanted to play both finals on the same day, which wow. one's Harrogate, isn't it? So they won't be, and I think Concord. So that's still not in the competition. 
But how does that work? So, play Harrogate win the cup. Right, we'll have that back, please, because somebody else. <laughs> yeah, you, you were the trophy holders for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I did read that. I think I read somewhere that they wanted to play it on the same day. But again, it, it does seem well. I think I think they've called off the JPT final, haven't they? Last Nick. Yeah. Again, I'm sorry, Concord and Concord are one of these sides who are getting it in the neck from a lot of people. I'll be very impressed if you ever see light day at Wembley. Yeah. To be honest. Uh, Mason as well obviously did well to, to get a fairly local away tie because obviously Darlington were at Weymouth in the last round and uh, paid off for them because they won and they got a home tie. But it, it could have been so much worse. So that's a yeah, good yeah, news I think, yeah, yeah, I think um, common sense hopefully is revealing that. But a decent tie. Hornchurch must be one game a month Hornchurch now. So half yeah. their players are probably playing for somebody else. And they come back for this. So, um, <laughs> crazy. But yeah, decent draw, though. Fingers crossed. I think Maidstone, I think their supporters would love, well, if you can. They, they, I think their competition, would they take a trip to Wembley instead of promotion? That's the question. That is Any a Maidstone big question. Maidstone fans out there, what would you do there? That's a big question, yeah. If, you, if you'd like to let us know your thoughts uh, on that, then please do. And then National League South on Saturday, Dartford were held to a 1-1 draw by Hungerford. Uh, Ebsuit beaten 2-1 at Hampton, Richmond, Barber before. And Tuesday, the Fleet won 2-0 at Slough. Uh, Rakeem Bingham scoring both goals tonight. We was partnered by new loan signing Joe Taylor in attack. Uh, while the Stones were beaten 2-0 by resurgent Braintree uh, at the Gallagher on Tuesday night. Uh, Joe Taylor, obviously... I only had a chance to play for for Welling twice. I'm guessing Steve Lovell obviously decided that uh, Joe wasn't the way he wanted to go. And and, and a good signing for Ebbsfleet. We've spoken a lot about Ebbsfleet and how they need to have something else up front. And by the looks of it, I'm saying this without seeing the game, having a strike partner did a world of good for Rakeem Bingham. Yeah, Bingham's um, got some... He's a goal. He's their only goal scorer. You look at it. And I've been impressed with him the two times I've seen him. Yeah, he's played at a decent level. So get chances in there. I'd love to know how that works. From Does the... uh, Dennis know all about him. Interesting. Does his ageing get involved? I'd love to know how that transfer came about for um, uh, for Joe on that. You know how it got how it got. Maybe his eight. Well, maybe a cry. There's another thing. We another thing we'll ask. A cray saying to their players, "You go and find a club. It's entirely up to you." Or cray finding them clubs as well. Really interesting decision on that for that there. But I, you know, you listen to last week's show, mate. <laughs> Uh, uh, what, God, sorry, what happened then last week? What, what, what did I, well, I spoke to Tony Russell, didn't I? Uh, oh, yeah, and, sorry, mate, yes. <laughs> well, I basically said, he said, you know, we, we want to give the players the opportunity that if, if there are there. And, and Tony Russell has been actively going out and speaking to clubs and, and finding moves for the players that he thinks could could do it. And he said to me, you know, I've lent a couple out to Welling. He said, I'm, I'm going to go and meet another manager and discuss some more. So uh, Cray, are they're keen for their, their players to keep playing football, basically. Uh, and I'm surprised that my team Dover hadn't looked something like Joe because they need a goal scorer and they've brought players from that level before Adi Yusuf and things like that springs to mind I don't know why Dover you know being local as well he's gone up to Ebsleet but I'm surprised Dover didn't look on that from that point of view so there's players out there but good luck to him I'm I'm sure he will score goals at that level and it could be an inspired signing for Ebsleet so yeah good luck to him Good luck indeed to Joe. Uh, this weekend, Matt Stover have a hastily rearranged home game with Solihull Moors. I expect he'll be swooning over that giant striker of theirs next week. Yeah, I, I am. I, I did some homework on him, yeah. Uh, well, oh, there's... So, he, I will, he is the man. I, I'm presuming commentary, I'm going to call him up to the big lad. Of so, course. Uh, every, every, every time, by law. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
And uh, yeah, there's also been an even hastier reorganisation for Bromley, who will now host Halifax on Saturday. Amid fears the pitch at the Shea will be unplayable, uh, with the return fixture in April now going to be up north. There's also a full programme of fixtures on Tuesday night, and the second Tuesday running Bromley host Woking, or Dover at home again too, this time against Barnet. And um, two home games, Matt. 12 point to make that. The 12 point. Barnet, a 12 pointer. Two home games, you've got to get some points from these, haven't you? We need um, we need a minimum of four. To be honest, um, we've got we basically Solihull is going to be tough. Um, I, I think I think Solihull wanted this game more than Dover, and the league sort of arranged it because Dover still got issues with some of the COVID players out. But the Barnet game is you, you basically you can't you've got to win that. We've got to win that because that puts Barnet top of the table. That might give us a bit of confidence. If this time next week or whenever we record, we've got six points in the bag, mate, I will be as happy as Larry. But, um, no, to, do you know, but will do, mate. You don't need to say anything else, but. <laughs> mate, but it could be that we get six points and then they then they pull the league apart. And then we go, oh, we want to carry on now. So, um, on that, yeah, so, yeah, well, we've got to, yes, we've got to win. End of the day. And of course, uh, Barnet under what? Tim Flowers these days. He's a he's from the Gerard School of Football, isn't he? Uh, Tim Flowers, yes. He he um he he likes to hit it long, yes. So um, I'm not expecting. I think Solihull with their big boys, um, we know what we're going to get, and I'm sure against Barnet, we're not going to get. Probably not one for the purists watching the beautiful game, but if it's going to be the last beautiful game they're going to watch at this level for a while. Probably Dover against Hollyhill and Dover against Barnet. You might not want to see uh, total football in those games. In all seriousness, and I want some sort of proper football analysis from you here now. Um, Dover's obviously inexperienced uh, in several areas of the park. Is that sort of hit the ball long aerial assault, is that difficult for them to face, do you think? Uh, Defensively, I don't think we're that bad. Goalkeeper position is a problem. Um, I think if you know if we could utilise the three centre halves, if they stand up, they'll be okay. But defensively, I don't think defensively we are that far off it. It's just scoring goals is a concern from there. So uh, and the probably the bigger boys they'll have at the back that our guys may have an issue against. But um, yeah, I don't think Dover have got a couple of issues. Goalkeeper position is a major issue, which they've got to resolve in some way or the other, and scoring goals. People would say, a lot of the fans are asking Louis Collins to play, because he played, when he started two games, he scored three goals. So maybe he'll be given a chance, because Aziz and and, uh, Rose, uh, Rose scored last week. Again, I think they're willing players, but we just haven't got a natural goal scorer in the team. And when when the chances fall, like they did against Bournemouth, and apparently they missed a couple against Wrexham. You've got to take them when they come. Have they got a natural goal scorer in the squad? Maybe Louis Collins is the answer on that. So, um, but whatever, you've got, to, you've got to win matches, John. So by hook or by crook. Um, and again, on the 21st of January, if we were in a normal season and everything was right and everybody was going to be played, I can't see us getting out of it, to be honest. Because well, I think we're about 11, 12 points inside the drop zone. And, and we just... And that's too much of a too much of a gap unless we get better players in, which I don't think is going to happen. 
No, I mean, a uh, real sobering thought there that Matt said. They're not too bad apart from the goalkeeper and they can't score. Uh, you're, you're 10 points um, behind Yeovil uh, and worrying for you, you've, you've got three games in hand. So you're not even at the stage now where if you win your games in hand, you're flying up the league. No, exactly. So um, we've got Yeovil coming up as well. So. Oh, I said 86-pointer. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, the Barnet game and the Yeovil game. Basically, yeah. It's, if Dover lose the next two, they've had it. I would probably say. Um, yeah. You've got to, got, to, got to somehow... Bournemouth, you know, last week, I, I, I thought we deserved pretty something from it. So, And apparently, first half against Wrexham, we were pretty good before we threw, started throwing the ball in our own net. So, um, yeah. Well, I'd pause the league and then come back in two months' time and then hopefully something looks a bit better. But, um, yeah, at the, moment, at the moment, I can't see us getting out of it. Yeah, and just, uh, just a very quick one, but could you have imagined this time last year discussing Matt Gerrard going to watch bottom against next to bottom in the National League on a cold Tuesday night in January with no one else there? That is the current lie of the land ahead of that game against Barnet. Uh, in National League South, Dartford go to Dulwich Hamlet on Saturday. Ebbsfleet are home to Chelmsford City. As you've already heard, Welling go to Hungerford. Uh, Maidstone go to St Albans. And Tunbridge Angels' game with Hampton Richmond is off due to COVID. And on Tuesday night, Welling go even further west as they travel to face Bath City. Darford at home to Oxford City. And Angels return to action with a real big and Maidstone at home in the, the derby. Is it the A26 derby? I think that's Maystone, the road, isn't it? Maidstone, Tunbridge next week. Oh, that's a cracker, isn't it? So yeah. next Tuesday at, at, at Tunbridge as well. So, oh, right yeah. then. I'd much rather good. go to that than Dover against Barnet. As yeah, it is, I'll probably, be going yeah, to neither. Yeah, probably the best bet, yeah. Now, all of those games, of course, depending on what happens over the next 24 hours. Anyway, I did promise last week a chat with Kieran McCann, and I'm delighted to say that that is up next. Uh, the Cray Valley PM winger is undertaking a phenomenal running effort to start 2021, raising money for a great cause as well. He's running an extra mile every day. So today he would have done a 21-mile run. I was watching him on Sunday when he just completed run 17, and I asked him, how was he finding it? I'm napping now. I only had four hours sleep last night. Um, after work and then went and done this and now I'm off home to shower and then eat some food and straight back to work. How hard are you finding this? Are you finding it harder than you thought you would? Um, not at the moment, John, if I'm honest. All I'm finding is the aches and pains um, that are starting to kick in now, the soles of my feet, um, on my Achilles and my calves that are getting really stiff and really sore. I understand you've never run further than 10 miles before, was it? Yeah, so I've I, I done 10 miles um, with my longest actual run before. I did do a 15 as well, um, just to check check it out. But the actual longest run I've ever done, a proper run, was 10 miles. Um, but like I said, it's a big shock to me. It's, um, every day is getting harder and longer now. What was it that gave you the, the, the idea to, to do this specific challenge? Um, it was actually my friend who came up with the idea. Um, he, he said it to me and straight away my reaction was, don't be so silly. Um, when he told me how the miles went up each day and that you'd be running over nine, just over 19 marathons in 31 days. I said, that's crazy. And, but you are doing it for, for a really good cause and one that's close to your heart. Yeah, correct. I'm doing it for brain tumour research. Um, I had a neighbour who died. Uh, he had a brain tumour um, and he died sadly from that. So I'm raising money for 
raising money and awareness for brain tumor research. Um, hopefully get as much exposure of them as possible. Um, brain tumors kill more adults and children under the age of 40 than any other cancer. So, and uh, there's only 1% of them to spend on cancer research is allocated to brain tumors. So, hopefully we can raise some awareness and raise some money for brain tumor research. And the fundraising is going fantastically, isn't it? I know you set out initially for a thousand, you're already over three thousand. So have you got a revised target now? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm over the moon, John. I, I thought I struggled to get to the thousand, if I'm honest. This is the time we're in as well during the pandemic. I know people have lost their jobs and some people are short of money, but everyone's um, been given. So I'm not for words, if I'm honest. Three thousand pounds, I know I was up to last time I checked. Um, I haven't set a revised target, John. Um, I'm just really happy that um, I've hit the target and I'm continuing to uh, get some donations on board. So the more, the merrier. Uh, when I've seen you play, I've seen you play a few times. You've always struck me as a sort of pacey winger who gets under, not a marathon runner. So this is a massive change for you, isn't it? Correct, John. Yes. So I'm, I'm generally quite fit. Um, I like to go to the gym. Um, I probably could run comfortably 5-6k, um, but in terms of doing this longer distance, it's, it's a shock to the body. I mean, as I said earlier, the soles of my feet are starting to get really painful, and um, I can feel it in my knees. Uh, I mean, I'm out, I'm going to be out there now, probably from 2 hours 45 plus now, plus 3 hours, so, yeah, it's a big shock to the joints, if I'm honest, the impact of hitting the ground for 3 hours non-stop. Uh, I suppose it's something you wouldn't obviously be able to do if football was going on, though. No, correct. The discussion with my manager, um, this was in December, I said, if the, and he's going ahead, I'm going to take a gamble and go for it because, I mean, I wouldn't be able to play football uh, whilst doing this challenge. I could probably do the first week of January, um, but then after that, you just, your legs are just fatigued every day. So there'd be no chance, and I took the game, and it's kind of paid off so far. The season doesn't look like it's starting anytime soon. And how's the weather been? Has that had an impact on you? Because it hasn't been the best, it hasn't been the warmest. No, it's been, every day is cold, John. Every day is cold. Um, I've had some horrible wet ones, but that's expected. I've, I've visualised me in a pouring rain for four or five hours in the cold on my own, so. Hopefully nothing phases me weather-wise. Um, I've yet to run in the snow, so I will find a little bit of snow to just kick that off the bucket list. And your final total of miles is 496. Is there anything in you that's thinking I might as well do the extra four and round it up? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't had that question asked just yet. So maybe on the last day I could run 35 miles, maybe. <laughs> Uh, moving on to the football, um, Cray Valley, you've had a, a decent start to the season, it, well, good cup run, um, but it now looks like for the second season running, it's all going to be for nothing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as players, we're disappointed. For me personally, um, I don't really like to do it myself on Saturdays. I'm used to playing football every Saturday. Um, but yeah, we had a good FA Cup run. Um, and now we're just, I think we're a little bit disheartened and bored now, if I'm honest, with no football. 
Would you like something to be done to, to find a way of sorting out this season rather than it just being null and void? Oh, of course, yeah. Of course, I, I want to get back as soon as possible. Like I said, um, I've been playing football for, what, 15, yeah, 15 years. So, on a Saturday, I'm used to just being out there playing football. Um, it was very weird for me not to play football. So, hopefully, I mean, I don't know what's going to be out of our hands. So, but hopefully we can do something to get back playing and just finally so you're doing this fantastic charity run um, how can people donate to, to your cause um, I have a just give a link um, I have an Instagram it's on my Instagram and my Twitter um, the link's in my bio on my Instagram so my Instagram is Maca McCann it's spelled M-A-C-A M-A-C-A-N-N -A -A so if you pop over to the Instagram uh, the link is in the bio Four hundred and ninety-six miles across the month of January, Matt. That is astonishing, isn't it? Oh, fair play to him. And um, if I was him, and you said, "Oh, you might as well do the extra four miles," I'd have put the phone down on you. I'd have to <laughs> but I, I think when, when I was listening to him, I thought, "Oh, well, you might, yeah, to yeah." That I think the mental strain on that as well. And you mentioned his knees and his his soles of his feet as well and I presume does your body go into sort of overload at some point so right let's go let's go let's go but you know he must wake up he's done his 21 miles today tomorrow you know terrible weather last couple of days you really have to admire him for doing this and a real amazing achievement um somebody who said he didn't run too much that is unbelievable and they say what they say about running. I think you said about it as well. It, it does sort of clear your mind on that. So I have to say, fantastic achievement, particularly in this weather and these conditions. But and doing that 496 miles in a month is phenomenal. So whoever um, out there, give him a round of applause if you see him running over the street, the streets, because that's unbelievable achievement. And of course, he'd obviously love your sponsorship. As he said there, you can, he's doing updates of it all uh, on his Instagram, uh, which is Maca McCann, M-A-C-A-M-C-C-A-N-N. Uh, and you can also find his, uh, his Just Giving page, uh, which is justgiving.com slash fundraising slash Kieran dash McCann 11 uh, current total 3,375 pounds uh, which is absolutely brilliant and hopefully he can get to uh, uh, you know I know he didn't say it's a new target but wouldn't it be great if he could get to 5,000 pounds so uh, please if you've got any money I know it's times are tough for everybody at the moment but if you've got any anything you can spare um, Kieran would love you to sponsor him he'd love as many of our listeners as possible to get involved um, and also you know tell anybody else because it is a phenomenal effort 496 miles in 31 days absolutely brilliant so well done kieran uh, and as i said to him keep up the really good work because i'm uh, i am really really impressed uh with that i mean it makes my running 5k along the promenade look a little bit pathetic I, I, i'm trying to work out roughly how far he's, he's gone I, I think i've read dover to lugano in switzerland is about 496 miles um as, as the crow flies so you know it's, uh, it's quite impressive isn't it again somebody's probably fit that just the is he, does he think, you know, you think, oh, he's done halfway through the month, but now his tough months are coming now, aren't they? Tough, tough runs are coming now, but phenomenal effort. So I think it, it's fantastic and um, we wish him all the best on that. 
I've done him a di- I've, 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 that's wrong. Lugano is 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 actually further than, uh, is a lot further than that. Let me try and find somewhere. Hang on. Uh, probably to Dover to probably Lands Lands End probably four hundred ninety six miles. That's probably not a bad shout. Let's have a look. Pretty much Dover to Lands End as the crow flies five hundred eight miles. Yeah, so. so pretty much. Uh, one end actually to the other, uh, unbelievable. So yeah. And did he say on that? What does he do the same running? Doesn't so. Does he do the same? I guess he's probably not deviating too far because you, yeah. you're not supposed to deviate no, too true, far. True. Um, yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the boredom levels must be through the roof because yeah, yeah, yeah. I find it hard enough when I do the same uh, the same little stretch all the time as well. So uh, yeah, it's uh, but that is a, an incredible effort and, and well done, Kieran and. Uh, and yeah, just just absolutely phenomenal. And uh, keep up the good work, mate. Miles 22 tomorrow, Friday, so uh, that's going to be tough. And then the, the what six marathons in a row as well to finish it, uh, quite something. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that's well, that's pretty much it for the for the football chat. Uh, we have absolutely binge watched the serpent. I know you mentioned that before, oh, yeah, yeah. Matt. What a program that was. He, an interesting character, wasn't he? How he sort of um, well, interesting character, absolute bloody psychopath. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Probably the, the best way to come. Yeah, it's a really interesting program as well. And it's brilliant. I, I, thought... him, I, I, I um, googled him and bits and pieces afterwards. So, yes, yeah, so a really, really enjoyable program. I, I thought that was good from there. A lot of people said about the time jumps. We didn't. We notoriously do find things like that a bit tough. But that one, it just it just flowed, and you could yeah. tell from the characters. And there were moments where you're on the edge of your seat, and it was oh, it was, it was superb, really, really good. I loved the bit at the end as well when you saw the main protagonists and everything as well uh, as they are in 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 their real lives now, which I thought was was really good. We've just started watching uh, a teacher, which was on on BBC a, a few weeks ago. And, uh, um, to be honest, mate, I've been going to bed at nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I've been reading my book, listening to the radio, really, because, yeah, because there's nothing to tell you. And I've been a bit tired the last week. So um, apart from that, so that's, yeah, that's not really watching much, have I? Apart from kids' programmes, trying to keep them educated. That's uh, <laughs> um, a bit of that from there. So, yeah, yeah, that's nothing apart from what went on the last week. Uh, yes, back to work, back to reality and just go from there and get through it as we can. So, but um yeah, same. Yeah, I, I've been reading. I've been reading a few books. I've just finished a cricket book, which was all right. I've just started reading. I've never read it before. The Secret Footballer, the first one. Oh, right. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm quite enjoying that. I've got a couple more cricket books lined up uh, to read because by the sounds of things, I'm not going to have any uh, any proper work for about four months if things uh, oh, well, continue well, as they well, are. Let's so. speak on the education. That's definitely after Easter now. Yeah. Um, what's, what have you heard on the other thing? Well, they're, they're saying uh, pubs and bars and everything and restaurants won't be open till May. And if that's the case, we won't be open. So um, that was a, a the scientists have advised that it probably won't be safe to open them again till May. Um, so we're getting ready for the long haul, really. Uh, just trying to get by and, you know, it's 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 tough and I, um, I know you appreciate probably more than everyone how tough these times are at the moment um but you're just trying to get through on it and just you know getting up and yeah. doing your thing you know I'm, I'm trying to get out running along the front i've been out quite a bit so just doing that and i, I had we're cutting down our, our trips to the shops because it's so rife at the moment so um we've um so we've kind of I've, I've been today i've been to the supermarket but people doing wedding you've got 
people walking around with the bloody sunflower lanyards on, meaning they're exempt from wearing masks, and they're walking up right next to people, and you get people pushing past, and no one's obeying the two-metre rule, and, and, you know, there's couples in there both going in independently with their own trolleys and doing their shopping together, taking up a whole aisle as well, trying to stay two metres apart so they don't look like they're together, and one going to the other one, do you need chocolate biscuits? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, it oh, it's it's... I found it pretty annoying up at the supermarket today, to be honest. And, you know, the weather doesn't help, does it, when it's miserable yeah. outside? I went out for a run on Saturday morning, and I did put this on Twitter. I went out for a run Saturday morning, and the weather was horrific. It was blowing a gale. It was chucking it down. Literally, I started running, and within about 100 metres, I was seriously questioning my life choices. And I, but I decided to keep going. I decided the best course of action was to do 2.5K into the wind and then come back with the wind behind me because I thought get the worst bit over with and by the time I got to the far end where I was going to turn around I was absolutely drenched I had to genuinely had to stop and stand in a, under a, a shelter on the seafront for a couple of minutes and try and like wring my top out because it was so bad and then I obviously turned around had the wind behind me so it was much better coming back um but I got back and um I I was just drenched. I literally soaked the whole flat as I was walking around. Um, my, it, I've got out of swimming pools and, and been drier yeah. than I was when I got in. I'd been inside for like five minutes. I was still soaking. And I, so I literally just got straight in the bath. But I was just like, oh, my God, this is horrendous. And, you know, it makes it it does make the whole lockdown even harder when you're looking outside and just seeing it pelting it down all the time, doesn't it? Yeah, I think the, the first I think everybody's finding this lockdown a lot harder than the previous ones because of the weather, of course, which is it's just miserable and um, bits and pieces like that. So from I think that- it's partly that. It's partly the weather, but also partly it doesn't feel like a lockdown because so many more people are at work. You know, so many more shops are open. Like shops that were shut before are still open doing click and collect and things like that. And at some point, you've got to draw the line because the, the, it's it's not getting any better at the moment. They're saying it's not the lockdown's not working. Well, no, that's because. 90% of kids are still finding a way to go to school. And until we go back to the way it was in March, April, I don't think we're going to start seeing the end of it, the results. Yeah, well, that's, that's the concern. And you say the um, from that, so I don't think my, uh, if, if your pubs aren't open until May, my chances of going to the Euros, because I think a bit of conjecture about that, mm. is about the refunds and things like that on there I was reading, but apparently I'm okay now, but... I can't believe the Euros are going ahead. I see, the, see Glastonbury was cancelled today, so you would have thought the Olympics must be must be in danger as well by now. Well, I, I've seen that a lot. Hayley was supposed to be going to a concert in November, uh, which obviously got cancelled um, a long time ago, and it got moved to um, end of February instead. And obviously, as time's gone on, that's become more and more implausible. Uh, so they've rearranged it now. April 2022 is when they've now rearranged it for. And I think that's going to be the, the the way it goes with with live concerts, because they are just they are mass gatherings, aren't they? And uh, it's, it's impossible to socially distance. Uh, I've got a couple of gigs I'm supposed to be going to in April. They're not going to happen. Uh, and I hope that people are just trying to find dates to rearrange them for. But, you know, the, the live music industry, which is something I, I'm a big fan of. I went used to go to gigs all the time, especially when I was at uni. I'd just go and see anything. 
and that is that that and theatres and everything like that you know i know we're having it tough here but i i really feel for those people the creative people who have got such talent and want to share their work with everybody and they're and they're not able to do anything and uh, that's that's a it's really really tough and and i feel sorry for all those people yeah it must be really tough when you i was thinking that today all these people who you know work in the you know like yourself as well just not working no money coming in it's just absolutely crazy um so I hope yeah, you say that i've got an uncle called rishi who's really helping me out at the moment to be honest <laughs> with you um yeah my favorite favorite benefactor recently they bring out the same old wallies but they haven't brought him out for a while so um no probably the only sensible one they've probably got which is yeah not saying too much but what about us john i think well we go on the back i'm going the basis they're not going to call off saturday's games even though no. they're the league off tomorrow so we will have a program of next week we're just going to keep going mate as long as we can it's, it's, it's and, all right isn't it yeah and I, and I presume this time next week we'll still be scratching our head do you yeah. expect anything happening by this time next week no I, I think going back to what we said at the top of the show I think the sensible thing to do now would be to get play this this weekend's games play Tuesday's games because we're all ready for them and then pause it for two or three weeks and just get these options cast iron so that everybody knows what they're voting on and then have a, a have a break in a couple of weeks i think they haven't at waterlooville saying they're not playing for 10 days is, is a very sensible course of action and just have a little break not not say now it's over just have a little break and come back to it and, and then see where their land lies in three weeks because it could be in three weeks time the vaccines have been going spiffingly the cases and and the and the deaths have, have miraculously dropped and, and everything might look completely different but I will be frustrated and I even though I don't I'll be pretty upset if on the 22nd of January the National League decide that that's it for the 2020-21 season I think that would be the wrong course of action yeah I think so as well so we'll have to wait and see um the only thing is it's probably going to get nastier between all these clubs before it's going to get any better I would have thought Absolutely. Well, we'll keep you updated on all of that on our Twitter handle at Kent NL Podcast. We're also on Facebook as well. Uh, search Kent Only Podcast and you will find us on there. Uh, we'll be doing everything that we can to try and keep everybody's uh, peckers up, so to speak. It's probably the wrong uh, choice of phrase. Uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, thanks to all of our guests for this week. Uh, Join us this week. Steve Lovell, of course, uh, Jim Rowe, who was great in calling me back this uh, earlier on today and of course Kieran McCann who is fitting in doing media work with his job and his running so uh, brilliant keep up the good work Kieran and we look forward uh, to seeing the, the, that you've completed your run by the time or well you'll be nearly done by the time we do next week's show anyway um, but yeah thanks to all three of those thanks to you Matt for, for coming back and, and, and chatting to us I hope you've uh, enjoyed it and you know my thoughts have been with you over the last week or so and the rest of your family. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's Kent Nonny podcast. And we will speak to you all next week, episode 156. Who knows what cards will have been chucked at us by then? Thanks for listening. I'm going to watch a six for eight striker and a 12-pointer in the space of two days. What a life I'm leaving in the footballing world. <laughs>